Welcome to the Nen Valley Vineyard podcast. What you're about to listen to is some teaching from our Sunday services. We're a church made up of people from Wellingborough through to Oundle spread across the Nen Valley and beyond. If you want to know more about us or find out how to get involved, visit our website, which is nenvalley.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nen Valley Vineyard. Okay, thanks, Tom. So as Tom said, um, you might not have spoken to me before, but I'm Maddie, and this morning I'm continuing our series called Come Holy Spirit, and the title for today is The Spirit of Transformation. So if you've been around Vineyard Churches for a while, you may be familiar with the short prayer, Come Holy Spirit, but what do we really mean when saying this? Who is the Holy Spirit? Why are we asking him to come? How can we relate to him? And in this series, we're just trying to scratch the surface of understanding why the Holy Spirit is important if we're seeking to become more like Jesus and is good news for us, for our transformation, our healing, our present and our future. And more than that, experiencing the Holy Spirit in our daily lives should shape and guide our call as followers of Jesus as we work for God's kingdom to come everywhere and in every way. So as a brief recap of what we've heard previously, Angie opened our first teaching, reminding us that God has poured out his spirit onto all believers. And one of the ways we can feel and know God's love and presence today is through the Holy Spirit. He is not just something to believe, but someone to receive. And that lived experience can empower us in our daily lives. Last week, Tom underlined for us that the Holy Spirit is God's plan A, not a substitute Jesus. And the Holy Spirit leads us where God is calling. Sometimes this could be to places we aren't comfortable or don't want to go, or even to remain exactly where we are. Jesus himself was empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach the kingdom and demonstrate the kingdom practically. And we're invited to access that same power. So as a background to my life, I've had the privilege of growing up in church communities. So the language of talking about the Holy Spirit is something I'd always been used to. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one, tick, tick, tick. Um, But over the past few years particularly, it was revealed to me that I'd maybe viewed the Holy Spirit as more of an incidental extra the icing on top of the cake that was God the Father and Jesus, or um, an expansion pact of faith that once you reached Christian spiritual level 12, then you could start to think about maybe what the Holy Spirit might be or mean for you. But of course, that's not how it works. The Holy Spirit is an integral part of the Trinity living in us, making us a new creation. You cannot fully experience one without the others. So I'm going to go and read our first passage for this morning. If you're looking in your Bibles, it's John chapter 16, and it's from verse 7, and will also be on the screen behind me. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because people do not believe in me. 
in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So, why is transformation important? Firstly, there is an expectation that our, our new lives in Christ will create a change in us. Another evangelical phrase you may have heard around before in churches is, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And we have to hold together the central truth of the gospel that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And there is no act we can do to earn or repay this. But in response to this amazing sacrifice of love, we're urged daily to become more like Jesus, both in our external actions and internal heart attitudes. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And note that this is anyone, not just a select few people. Um, there's this expectation that the people of God will have lives that look different after Jesus coming to you. But how does that happen? Galatians says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit desires to be with us, in relationship with us, renewing us and impacting our lives. To keep in step with someone, we need to be close to them, walking alongside them, paying attention to their pace and what direction they're going in. Finally, um, in John, Jesus has said, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If we want to be fruitful, having an abundant life that is productive, Jesus says that we need to stay connected to him. At university, some of the, the most frustrating or disappointing interactions that I had when talking to non-Christians was meeting people who didn't have an issue with the idea of God, with Jesus's divine claims, or even that they were sinful and needed a solution to that. But they had had such negative experiences, specifically with Christians in their lives, that the idea of um, church had been completely discredited for them. These were people who were either bearing no fruit or maybe worse, bad fruit. And honestly, I struggled to give them what I felt was a meaning, meaningful response to that. That the, the unresolved sins or lack of Holy Spirit transformation in the lives of those individuals had hugely impacted their ability to live out their faith as credible ambassadors for Jesus. They weren't bringing salt or light to those around them, and people had noted that about them. Just in the same way that our Servant Sundays are meant to be a platform without any secret agendas to show love to our community and make room to have those conversations where we can give a reason for the hope that we have. If we as individuals are purposing just 
inch by inch, increment by increment, to have lives which are shaped and guided by the Holy Spirit and the transformation he wants to bring. I'm really convinced that this can lay a hugely important foundation for sharing our faith before we even open our mouths. As a disclaimer for anything I'm about to say next, I'm very conscious that each of us will have had a completely unique experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We will hear from and respond to God in a myriad of different ways. So this isn't meant to be a one-size-fits-all template. In the New Testament alone, there's a hugely diverse vocabulary of interactions with the Holy Spirit that people have had, which personally I don't think can only be attributed to different translations or writing styles. Um, so some of those include that you can be baptized with the Spirit, you could be given the Spirit, you can be clothed with the Spirit, the Spirit can come upon people, the Spirit can fall upon people, the Spirit can be poured out upon people. You could be filled with the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, be full of the Holy Spirit, and receive the Spirit. But that being said, how does or could the Holy Spirit transform us? Intentional spiritual formation, which is a fancy word for us sort of actively rather than just passively trying to develop and grow is often a combination of teaching to kind of develop our knowledge, developing spiritual practices to bring us closer to God and his heart for us, and actually just being part of a community to encourage and be accountable to one another. But the Holy Spirit needs to be at the center of these with us connecting to him as a source of power, enabling these areas to actually do something in our hearts and lives and not just be for show or as a feel-good exercise to gain some sort of short-term spiritual buzz. The, the author Jerry Bridges in his book, Respectable Sins, talks about the idea of dependent responsibility. He said, we are responsible before God to obey his word, to put to death the sins in our lives. At the same time, we do not have the ability within ourselves to carry this out. We are totally dependent upon the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. In a society which is full of mantras teaching self-sufficiency and to rely on ourselves, like, if you can dream it, you can do it, just believe in yourself, I am the captain of my soul, it is completely countercultural to accept and assert our reliance on God. But this is what we are called to do. It's not weakness, and it is modeled to us first by Jesus. His kingdom ministry was catalyzed by the spirit of the Lord being upon him. And then he started to, to preach and demonstrate the kingdom. Thinking about a process of transformation, again, unfortunately, this isn't a how-to guide or a tick list with suggesting timings for each section. Um, but this was kind of what came to me as I was looking into it. Um, it would probably be a cyclical process that once you think you've got something addressed and changed in one area, um, maybe like me, it's likely that the Holy Spirit will reveal you've still got a long way to go in that, or maybe will uncover something completely new for you to push into and explore. Um, so those areas were convicts us, works through our consciences, corrects us with his word, empowers us to change, and refines us. That is to say, bringing things into our lives to stretch and grow us spiritually. 
Okay, firstly, let's think a little bit about conviction, as certainly in English, that word is particularly loaded towards guilt and the notion of being punished for doing something bad. I'll return to the passage in John with a few expansions. So um, because I'm a bit of a linguist, I find this very interesting, um, and you might not, but that's okay. Um, my paper Bible is the 1984 NIV edition, um, but I believe if you now bought an anglicized version with updates from 2011 onwards, it would read like this. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Convict has shifted to prove to be in the wrong. So the original Greek translated word elenko can mean to prove guilty, but can also mean to cross-examine as a witness, to expose the facts about something, um, or to convince someone of the truth. And similarly, counselor, which is also helper in some other Bible translations, um, is now translated as advocate. And those things between them give us a much clearer image of the Holy Spirit um, not just being someone trying to help us out or give us some advice, but of a legal representative in the courtroom, an advocate actively working and intervening on our behalf. The Holy Spirit reveals the truth about Jesus to those who haven't believed. The Holy Spirit refuted the declaration by the Pharisees that Jesus was an unrighteous blasphemer deserving a shameful death on the cross only for Jesus to then be affirmed as righteous by God the Father through his resurrection, um, to whom he's now going. And he'll expose the fact that the prince of this world, the devil, has ultimately lost. Conviction is really important in transformation, and that is to say, identifying areas of our lives where we're struggling with sin and have failed and should repent, or we need God's help to form new habits and rhythms of life but that on its own doesn't necessarily change much about how we're living. So I've got a little story. Um, when I was about eight years old, I was playing with some of my mum's porcelain ornaments and I knew that I wasn't meant to touch them, but I'd taken them off the shelf and um, was sort of using them as fancy Barbies. And unsurprisingly, I dropped one and uh, broke it and pieces came off. Um, does anyone want to hazard a guess what eight-year-old me then did? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, um, I, I felt quite guilty about it, but instead of owning up to my mistake, I put them back on the shelf, precariously balancing the broken pieces together to, to sort of make it look whole again. And it was only several weeks later when my younger brother started to get punished for his supposed crime that I finally broke and admitted what I'd done. Um, I had some conviction, but very little change until I was really backed into a corner. And how often are we like that in our own lives now? We're aware of occasions or repeated patterns of behavior when we have or haven't done something. 
And instead of bringing them to the light and saying, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do here? Help. We choose to put it back on the shelf or in a cupboard, out of sight, out of mind, worry about it next time. So following that, the Holy Spirit may work through our consciences, those niggling feelings or twists in our stomach, or even the small voice in the back of our minds talking to us can be the Holy Spirit using our conscience to gently turn us around or suggest that there might be a different way. And just as we are all uniquely made, this might manifest a bit differently for each of us and how you feel the Holy Spirit working on your conscience. Another important thing the Holy Spirit will do is correct us with his word. Look again, looking back again at our passage um, in John 16, verse 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit was sent to us by Jesus as another advocate, just like him. The foundation of his character is truth. So we can be confident that the changes he wants to bring into our lives are good. And he'll reveal God's word to us through what's written in the Bible. Although it can do this, God's word correcting us doesn't have to revolve around only telling us off. Scripture's full of amazing verses of encouragement, uh, affirmation, reminding us of our new status and life in Jesus. It could be challenging us to pursue and use talents we've been gifted with, or to discover new ones, to find joy in difficult circumstances, taking proper Sabbath rest, um, to feel confident enough to witness, to welcome in new people and practice hospitality. Uh, the list is really limitless. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, which we've mentioned is an ongoing exercise, um, a little bit like filling up our cars with fuel. We can still be more or less full on any given day. And we have an active role in how we allow ourselves to be filled and influenced by the Spirit. And thankfully, we don't have to queue outside ASDA or BP for extended periods to be able to access him. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, Paul writes, Do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the contrast he makes here is not that we should get drunk on the Holy Spirit um, instead of alcohol, but to seek and embrace a different kind of influence over us. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will allow our thinking abilities to be repaired instead of impaired. And we can make wise and hopefully God-honoring decisions. Just as very close friends and spouses can influence our decision-making, often without us having to ask for their input, so should the Holy Spirit. And how amazing must it be to have that close relationship and be able to say to yourself in a situation, yes, I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit wants me to be doing this or become a second nature to look to him in that for empowerment. And um, lastly, refining, which is bringing circumstances into our lives that might stretch and grow us. Uh, just like physical muscles, our spiritual muscles need training as well. And only doing what's easy or comfortable may maintain what is there, but rarely produces anything new just in the same way that we might pray for more opportunities, 
opportunities to witness to people and suddenly they seem to be coming along from all places. Uh, if we've thought about areas where we want the Holy Spirit to be bringing that change in us, if we're prone to anger, we may find ourselves in more circumstances that trigger our anger. If we tend to become judgmental towards others, we'll probably have plenty of occasions to be judgmental or not. If we easily become anxious, there'll be ample opportunity to bring that to God and deal with that anxiety. I do think that even the idea of being transformed can feel at times a bit vague or distant, especially when comparing our lives to amazing experiences and totally reformed lives of writers like Paul or some of the tax collectors who encountered Jesus. However, um, Tim Mackey, who's part of the Bible Project organization, helpfully, for me at least, described the book of Acts as a greatest hits of the Holy Spirit, pointing out that uh, the book recorded the early church growing in multiple places over an extended period of years. So whilst we live in the kingdom of the now and the not yet, we can absolutely see amazing miracles and breakthroughs, but that cannot be our yardstick of how we judge the Holy Spirit's work in our daily lives. And keeping in step with the Spirit as he leads and changes us may not always be a dramatic transformation experience, but it is important. We need to believe that as we seek transformation in our lives, for ourselves, our families, our communities, and God's kingdom, we're not alone in that. He is at work in us, and we will see progress as we walk by that spirit of truth. So if you are able to, I'd invite you all to stand if you can, and we'll just come humbly together and wait on the Holy Spirit, wherever you might be along this transformation journey. Perhaps you've not thought much before about the Holy Spirit being able or desiring to bring transformation into your life and have no idea where to start. Maybe you felt convicted about something in your life that needs changing. Your conscience has been pricked a few times, but you haven't yet done anything about it. You may already be aware of a part of your life that the Holy Spirit wants to break into and now is a great time to pray and call his presence into that. Or you might feel stuck in a period of, of stretching and refining and can't see an end to it and are just saying, God, God, what is this for? So into all of those things and everything in between, we just pray together, come Holy Spirit. Well, thanks so much for listening to this teaching from Nen Valley Vineyard. We pray it blesses you and produces good fruit in you. If we can connect to you or help you engage with our community, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via our website, which is nenvalley.church. <laughs>